and it'd be a real help to you if you'd take hold of a Bible and turn back to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And there's a little sheet like this, if it's helpful for you, with an outline uh, for the sermon tonight. If that's helpful, please do follow along uh, with that. I don't know if you missed it, but my, my wife Julia and some friends went to see U2 3D the other week. Irish rock group uh, U2 in concert on a huge uh, cinema screen, watched wearing 3D glasses so that lead singer uh, Bono seems like he's actually uh, coming out of the screen at you. My first question, what was it like? Amazing, she said. Uh, my second, how full was the cinema? Empty. She replied. I Julia can believe it. One of the greatest events imaginable, as far as she's concerned. And it passed Sheffield by. A U2 3D, so what? It's Easter weekend. And I imagine for many, uh, they've missed it. Uh, no more than a chocolate egg and a, a trip to Ikea to show for it. A Christ is risen. Well, so what? Uh, even for ourselves here, uh, into our thinking could uh, create the suspicion that celebrating Easter is like, uh, well, seats at a fringe performance of a show that has little relevance for life in the real world. I mean, keep it in mind because it reminds you of something about forgiveness and love, but well, I've got relationships to sort out. I've got financial security to arrange. I've got to live in the real world. A Christ is risen. And so what? And it's interesting when even this week, the real world has shown again its complete failure at relationships and security. At the front page of the Times on Tuesday, you, you maybe saw it, uh, Paul and Heather McCartney are finally divorced. Oh, the gloves were off for this fight, weren't they? At £24 million, at the payoff for a failed relationship. There's nothing but sad. Uh, they display in garish 3D what, for many, in a smaller way, is the reality of well, relationships in the real world. Or something else on the front page, uh, the global credit crunch. I read this, uh, shares and pensions suffer in brutal trading. I know economies will survive, uh, but some around the world will lose jobs and homes and with them dreams. And it won't be the last time it happens, will it? Well, that's our security in the real world. A Christ is risen. Well, so what? Well, look who's writing Acts and records here what I guess is the first public address with an Easter theme says, transformed relationships and lasting security. That's what. Uh, in the reading we heard, Peter and the other apostles burst onto the world stage, freshly filled with God's Spirit, with the first telling of Easter good news. Oh, this might appear only a pe Pentecost thing, but, but Peter explains it all flows from Easter. You see, driving it all are, are declarations like verse 32. Oh, we didn't read it, but just look down to it. God raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact. That Christ is risen. Well, so what? Well, Peter explains Christ is risen, so... Well, the clock's ticking on this world's problems. Oh, that's verses 14 to 21. Uh, you meet people at times, and perhaps you're one of them, who understandably ask the question, well, if there is a God, 
Or why doesn't he do something about the world's problems? It's a great question. And Peter would take you to, to God's promises in Joel, where we hear in verse 20 about the great and glorious day of the Lord. Now that's, I guess, kind of a, a Bible shorthand for the day God will fix this world. A judgment day. Evil will be punished and finally brought to an end. And God will have a people who will live in his world the way he intended them to, trusting him. Delighting in all the good things that he gives. And the Bible's message is clear. That, that's where history's heading. But the days leading up to that day became known as the last days. That's what Peter's talking about. And God told people through Joel uh, what to expect when the last days began. Uh, we understand things change in the last days of things. We, we know how that works. Uh, a friend of mine told me what it was like approaching his wedding. Uh, amongst all the excitement, his fiancée was thinking, uh, once we're married, I'm worried how things will change with, with family and friends. Uh, you can understand that. Uh, amongst all the excitement... Uh, he was thinking, and once we're married, I'm worried I won't be able to get Chinese takeaways often. You expect things like that, don't you? In the last days of single life, the clock's ticking. Uh, Joel said, uh, there's certain things to expect when we've entered the last days of history. Before God does what everyone says they want, and comes to finally sort out this sin-spoiled world. Now, two things he mentions. Uh, God will start his spirit-powered community. That's verses 17 and 18. And, and, and God will invite everyone to join. Uh, God starts his spirit-powered community. Uh, Joel uses kind of poetic picture language to tell us what God's new community will be like. You'll see it there in verse 17. Well, these people will really get to know God. Uh, that list of, of prophecy and, and visions and, and dreams, they're, they're always God spoke to certain people in the Old Testament. A few people, if you like, really got to know God, really got to hear from him. Uh, but in listing them all together, Joel's saying in the last days, God's new community will all know God. A people who'll all get to hear God's word in full. They'll all have a relationship with complete access to him. Now you hear that. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, to be in a position to hear your creator explain how your life works to you. To actually, beyond explanations, say, so isn't that wonderful? Uh, to be in a position to hear your creator and to know he thinks enough of you to share his thoughts and plans with you. You'll hear his word. And on top of that, God's new community will be characterized by real equality. You noticed who gets to receive God's spirit, didn't you, in this reading? It's sons and daughters. It's men and women. It's old and young. In this community, the old aren't ignored, the young aren't patronized, there's no sexism, everyone enjoys the same dignity, and 
everyone will be cared for. This all flows out of Easter. Uh, This sounds like real transformed relationships. Uh, This sounds like relationships in 3D that we need. It's not something we can do ourselves. It's something God's promised to do. He'll he'll change people by his spirit to know him and, and love each other. And Peter's saying it's begun. That's what true church communities are. Doesn't that sound like the kind of life you want? Doesn't that sound like the place you want to live? With relationships like this. Well, Peter says, God invites everyone to join. It's down there in verse 21. And and look, joining is more than just transformed relationships. It's, It's also lasting security. You notice all that stuff in, in verse 19 and 20. It talked about a blood and fire and smoke, the sun and moon being changed. It, it kind of sounds like everything falling apart. And, and I think that's the idea. The day of the Lord is going to be well, the end of this world as it is. And God's going to get rid of all the mess caused by sin. Uh, the messed up relationships, the, the insecurity, all that's been caused by our rejection of God. He'll recreate the earth. What's the last days? Well, the clock's ticking. And when God does that, it means, well, I guess it means problems for people because we're part of it. So you understand the hope of verse 21. Because there we're introduced to the only people who make it through that trauma. It's this new community who have God's spirit. In fact, we're not just introduced to them. Well, you've been invited to join them. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Christ is risen. So the clock's ticking on this world's problems. Oh, someone gave us their old uh, tumble dryer a month or so ago. I got a brief rundown on how it works. It's been brilliant. I love tumble dryers. They're my second favourite thing after dishwashers. Uh, but it's been brilliant. I've been whacking my wet clothes in it. My jeans take half an hour to dry on max heat and they don't fit me anymore. <laughs> my friend then explained, if the temperature's too high, it may shrink your jeans. Oh, there's times, isn't there, when it's good to know all the information. And I think that's what Peter wants to do here because he, he may have said, well, the clock's ticking on this world's problems But he also wants to say, oh, the clock's ticking and Jesus is your only hope. Now that's the next part, verses 22 to 36. Peter's told us, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But you read on and he he kind of explains what that means to us. Oh, we didn't read it, but look down to verse 38. And Peter speaks to the crowd And he tells them, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name, here it is again, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. To call on the name of the Lord means trusting Jesus and asking him to forgive you. So Jesus alone forgives and gives the Spirit. So it can't be Islam, can it? It's not Hinduism. 
And it's not a vague hope that people we like will somehow just be okay in the end. No, hell is a reality, just as much as heaven. Jesus alone forgives and gives the Spirit. Now, there are plenty of Christians who, who feel embarrassed when they hear things like that. And I, I think it might be in part because there are plenty of other people who think it's outrageous to say things like that. And that would be no different to Peter's original hearers. Uh, they'd be thinking, come off it. How can a carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus, do that? We want some evidence. And that's exactly what Peter gives. He says, look at Jesus' life and what God said all the way through the Old Testament. See, the people Peter's speaking to, they knew God's plans were all tied up with an individual, a chosen kind of rescuer king, as he was described, who, who made a point. Uh, sometimes in the Old Testament he was called the Messiah or Christ, uh, sometimes uh, the Lord. And God said he'd, he'd make it clear who he was, would say in effect, this is the one, this is him. And Peter says, look at the evidence. See, trusting Jesus is no blind leap in the dark. Well, the first bit of evidence is there in verse 22. is Jesus' life and miracles. And Peter says this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Yeah, notice no one contradicts Peter. They did know. They had seen. Even his enemies couldn't refute it. Uh, the second part of evidence comes in, in verses 25 to 32, and it's, it's Jesus' death and resurrection. And this is the heart of it. It's Easter weekend. Uh, Peter reminds them about King David, that great hero from the Old Testament. And he quotes a psalm he wrote in verse, uh, Psalm 16 and verse 25. Uh, David, God's king in Israel, he, he was a kind of Messiah, Christ, a, a chosen one. You see what he writes in verse 27. Uh, David said, You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. God promised this rescue king would never rot in a grave. Um, says Peter in verse 29, uh, David died and was buried. His tomb's here to this day. It's the biggest tourist site around. So he can't have been the real rescuer, can he? Uh, David's speaking about someone else. God would raise the real Christ from the dead. You look down to verse 32. God has raised Jesus to life. And we're all witnesses of the fact. Can I say, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and perhaps you're looking into it, God's not asking you to take a chance on some vague intellectual philosophy. I know he's shown himself incontrovertibly in, in history and made sure there were eyewitnesses. And God's offering the, the privilege of hearing and considering their testimony. We've seen Jesus raised, says Peter. So he must be the Christ. Well, the last bit of evidence comes in uh, 33 to 35, and it's this, Jesus has been exalted. Uh, David said something else about this person in verse 34. 
And the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. God, the Lord, is addressing another Lord and saying, in effect, Join me on my throne and wait till I deal with your enemies. Peter and the other apostles had seen Jesus taken up to heaven. His conclusion, well, Jesus must be the Lord David was talking about. He's been exalted. He has God's authority. He is alone able to forgive and give the Spirit. No one else can do it. So he says in verse 36, And be assured of this, God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. He's the only one who has the authority to make you eternally secure by forgiving all your sin. I bring you into a right relationship with God so that you can know him eternally. He's the only one who has the ability to transform your living by giving you his spirit and bring you into a right relationship with others so that you can enjoy living eternally. And Easter weekend shows it's true. To Christ is risen. So what? Well, that's not the real question. No, the real question is, is Christ is risen, so what should we do? And I think the answer must be, and make sure we're trusting Jesus. God's proved he's the one to pin all your hopes on. And I think Luke shows us what that's like. Glance down to, to verses 42 onwards. And I think this is Joel's prophecy worked out in action. Joel talked about God's people getting to know him by his spirit. And caring for and loving each other equally. Well, getting to know God, well, that's verse 42, isn't it? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, Jesus tells us all we need to know about God. We, we hear that through the apostles' teaching in the New Testament. At the culmination of every dream, vision, and prophecy is here. And loving each other equally? Well, that's verse 44, isn't it? All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. See, if we're trusting and following Jesus, we'll be becoming people who feel increasingly secure in God's love and forgiveness. And that will be flowing out in love towards others. Doesn't that sound brilliant? You want to know if you're trusting Jesus? You, you want to know if you're spirit-filled? Well, the question to ask is, am I getting to know God through his word and becoming secure enough to love others? Well, I think in in daily life, we're we're tempted to start putting our confidence in other things. Uh, Let me use an example. Think about parents. Uh, I'm not a parent, uh, but I imagine parents, you've got a tough job. Uh, Reese was a friend of mine. His parents had some friends around for dinner uh, the conversation turned to a young guy from the church who'd gone off to university. Uh, he'd graduated, uh, landed a good job, good money, all were singing his praises, except Reese, uh, who said, what are you talking about? Oh, you know he's given up on being a Christian. 
And what does it matter how much money he earns if he doesn't love and trust Jesus? Are those of you who are parents or those who will be, I, you'll be surrounded by, by people and situations that will make you feel that what your children need more than anything is the top education they can get and free time filled with CV-enhancing activities. See, taking time to pass on the apostles' teaching, it can start to feel like it's not really life in the real world. Hold your nerve. See, encouraging your children to get to know Jesus, helping them understand the apostles' teaching, it'll shape not just how they learn at school, but how they enjoy life now and eternally. That's the priority of priorities. Of course that means encouraging them to pray and read the Bible, but it, but it also means helping them know how to make decisions as followers of Jesus. I show them how to make decisions responding to what Jesus says. I keep demonstrating that when you make family decisions, God's word leads the way. My Christian dads, I talk to your sons about how they treat girls. My Christian mums, talk to your daughters about their attitude at home and the clothes they wear. As they grow and learn to live, keep helping them see that Jesus is transforming your life. And he'll do the same for them. And Christian children, see, if your parents are Christians, that is a gracious privilege God's given to you. Make sure you learn about Jesus from them. I remember Christ is risen. I trust him. He'll give you his spirit. Or perhaps you come along to Fullwood. You actually enjoy it. It lifts you and encourages you. You tell your friends you believe in God. But you're not quite sure why believing in God should make you want to spend time or kind of share things with other Christians. You're not really sure what all the fuss is about getting to know other Christians. Uh, You're happy uh, to come along semi-regularly and say your private faith is just as important. You'd not be alone in thinking like that. But can I say the reason you probably do think like that is because you're not a Christian yet. Because Jesus says one of the changes he makes in someone who trusts him is that by the Holy Spirit, uh, they start to love and care for others in his family. Now, you're probably not really a Christian. You're, you're probably just a moral person who likes religion. And you are saying, in effect, oh, Christ is risen. So what? And Jesus says you need to repent and trust him. And he'll forgive you and start to change you by his Spirit. Oh, you might also be here and, and you know you're not a Christian. Are you being good company? Neither were Peter's original hearers. I say two things the Bible would say to you tonight. It would say, Jesus is an ominous threat. But he can also be a transforming security. I just look again briefly at what God says about Jesus in verse 34. He says this The Lord said to my Lord, that's to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. 
See, there's the threat. You ever been in a situation where, where things get a bit serious? Are you panic thinking, I don't know what to do, I, I don't know what to do? The crowd listening to Peter have just got it. Jesus is an ominous threat. You hear the anxiety in verse 37 when they say, brothers, what shall we do? It's not an academic question. It's the edge of panic. This is, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. A Christ is risen. So what? Well, Easter demonstrates that Jesus is the king and God's promise to deal with his enemies. You can carry on ignoring him, but but God says it's the last days for that. The clock's ticking. Met a girl at Sheffield University. Uh, Last term I was on a question panel for a gorilla Christian. I told us uh, that she'd lived her life with no help from God. I didn't see any reason why she'd need him or should thank him. She was completely independent. Someone on the panel asked her, what if God took away everything he's given you? And she looked puzzled. And well, if God's real, then the body you're sitting in, uh, the breath you've just taken, the friendships you love, uh, the work you can do, the money you spend, are all gifts from Him. You're far from being independent. You're actually just incredibly ungrateful. And you exploit God's generosity. And one day, time will run out. Jesus is an ominous threat. It might be you've been coming along and you've actually become convinced about Jesus, but you've been putting off becoming a Christian. That is deliberately saying, Christ is risen. So what? And it's about the most foolish thing you can do. So how can Jesus be a transforming security for you? was the last thing you'd expect. Uh, the crowd asked Peter, what shall we do? And he says, well, run to Jesus. See, our biggest threat is also our greatest security. And we've all been his enemies. We're all, in a sense, responsible for that death on the cross. But I just look closely again at verse 23. Hear what Peter said. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. See, yes, we're responsible. But it was God's plan. How incredible is God? He uses our own wickedness against us. For our own blessing. Have you ever had an enemy like that? He takes the evil we intend against him and uses it to deliver good back to us. That's what Christians mean by God is gracious. Jesus didn't need to die, but he did. He, He died the death your sin deserves. Then God raised him up to life, never to die again. Paid the price for sin so that he can forgive you. And after this life is over, he can raise you to life, never to die again. It's the most incredible offer. But the clock is ticking. And you must stop putting him off. 
You can still catch U2 in cinemas. Uh, The illusion of Bono in 3D might appeal to some. But don't miss the reality of Easter. Christ is risen. Here's where you find transformed relationships. Here's where you find lasting security. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Easter good news. Thank you for the great message that's been proclaimed all the way from that first Easter. Please forgive us when in any way into our thinking comes the idea Christ is risen. So what? Please would you help us to marvel at it, to rejoice in sins forgiven and in transformed life both now and eternally. Now we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, can I say, if you're here tonight and you're, you're not a Christian and you'd like to find out a little bit more, I've got a little booklet, uh, Why Did Jesus Rise? I'll be standing at the door after the service and so will Andrew. If you'd like one of these, just ask me for one. Uh, you can take one uh, from me and go home and read that. Or if you'd like to chat some more, uh, please do come and chat to somebody that you've seen up at the front. Well, we're going to finish our service uh, with our last hymn. And it's a hymn that reminds us of what uh, Peter was telling us about in his sermon. Our hope is found in Christ alone. Uh, As the music begins, let's stand to sing.